Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Hi, I'm Trisha Yearwood, and you're tuned to Furniture Today's On the Record podcast with Bill McLaughlin. Before we turn to Bill and his guests, I just want to give a shout out to the entire Furniture Today team and remind you that when there's something exciting to announce, you'll read about it first in Furniture Today. And now, here's Bill McLaughlin and On the Record. Welcome to the On the Record podcast. I'm Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today, and I have a special guest who is appearing for the second time, but with new news. Caroline Hippel, president of Norwalk Furniture and the new chairman of the Home Furnishings Hall of Fame, the first ever woman to hold that position. Caroline, congratulations. Thank you so much. And just a little title correction. I'm the president of the board. We do have a chairman and that is, um, the president then goes to be the chairman next. Um, Let me apologize to the chairman. Um, What's that? Let me apologize then to the chairman because I just promoted you. Uh, well, no, he's going to have to work really hard, Martin Floyd from ICO. So, um, but but anyway, I'm so, and he's one of the nice reasons that I'm a part of it also. So, but thank you. I'm delighted to be a part of building our future by honoring our past at the Hall of Fame. It's just a, such a cool project to add to the other things I do in my work. Well, let let me ask you what it means representationally, because there has been a concerted effort to try to raise the profile of women in our industry. It has historically been a very um, male-centric industry, and you have really been a champion um, of trying to get more women involved in all roles across all segments of the industry. So just from your standpoint, what does it mean both symbolically um, and and you know, realistically, right? I mean, in, in actuality, what does that mean to you? Um, you and I have talked about this so often that um, that you know that I have had the privilege of being in companies that always sponsored women, mentored women, were Stuart Brown from This End Up. Women's development was really important to him in his life. Jerry Burnback, three of the most prominent women in our industry, all were Jerry Burnback presidents at one time. So I was very lucky to have organizations in my career that pushed me to grow, not allowed me, pushed me, made me take risks, gave me the opportunities to stretch and grow. So, um, so you know, and I came of age in the late 70s, in the early 80s, and women were just getting access to more possibilities in the workforce. So I think now at my age now, I've led, managed, had crises, had successes. So I've gained the skills through hard work and showing up to then be able to lead an organization like our board at the Hall of Fame. And I think we're going to see more and more and more women, people of color, different faiths, I think things opened up in the 70s. So now it's a blooming of more participation. But I'm a real advocate for meritocracy. You have to have the skill. You have to have the ability. You can't just be plopped in a job 
without the experience and expect to succeed. So you have to earn it. So, but I think we're getting more and more in that wave now coming in to be able to make real contributions. I'm a real fan of diversity, and I mean diversity of thought, experience, and talent on teams. My own team and my company, we insist on it, the diversity of ideas and thoughts and experience so that we can debate and come up with better ideas. I think that's the real role of women or people of color or different faces, bringing diverse ideas together, putting them together in an environment that allows debate so that the best ideas rise. That's the cool thing about being in an organization. And I think I'm one, I have been rewarded emotionally, spiritually, financially, all of those things by pressing on in the furniture industry. Um, and so, so giving back by continuing to lead in that way is a big part of my to-do list. You, you come to the Hall of Fame, to this role at the Hall of Fame at a really dynamic Time. There's so much going on right now, right? There's there's a new building underway. There's all of these exhibits being done. Um, you know, I'm also I've been talking to to Karen and the team there about what they're doing to bring young people into the industry and mentor them. So, do you have some some hopes, dreams, goals that you you want to try to achieve during your tenure? Yes, um, and I, I will never forget the night at one of our amazing big. 1,250 people banquets, induction banquets, when David Gephardt, who was then the president or the chairman, came up to me and said, would you be the second vice president? And I think I'd had two glasses of wine. And I said, yes. The next day I woke up and I thought, oh, no, I know what that means. <laughs> Years down the road, I'm going to have to be at the, at the helm. And as, as, as we had our COVID year last year, I, <laughs> I thought, oh, no, I'm going to be at the helm next year. But what I've realized is on the heels of such a paradoxical year, the COVID year was 2020, you know, we all know this in our industry. It was best of times and the worst of times. Let's start with the worst of times first. People dying, you know, uncertainty about our jobs. All of those things are just so heartbreaking. But we know that it created unprecedented demand in the home furnishings industry. So the best of times for putting people back to work in the home furnishings. And um, so it also has been, you know, a time for the hall. In that paradox, there's time for transformation. And what I'm so excited about for 2020 is we're going to take all that energy built up with starting fresh and new and creating new visions that we've all pondered and thought about this year and put it right to work in building this Hall of Fame. So for this year, for 2021, the first thing, is we have an amazing slate of inductees to celebrate this year. And I'm so excited. We're going to be having our dinner in June with the moved market. If, if you ever need a, 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 you know, just a class of inductees to really bring back the celebration and celebrate what we do, which is resilience and consistency and tenacity and, and pivoting to be successful, these men have done it all for decades. So it's going to be so fun to have an amazing banquet. And I think we're all going to be ready for it by the time we can have it. That, that really is an all-star class of inductees. Uh-huh. Um, the only, I, I wish Rob could be there to, to, to enjoy his induction. I know. Um, I'm, I'm happy for Iv and for the family. Um, but Rob was such a supporter of the industry for so long. 
you, you know, you, you, he was everywhere. So um, mm-hmm. I, I hope he will be, will be with us in spirit as, uh, as he's inducted. Uh, indeed, indeed. And, um, you know, but this is why we have a Hall of Fame, so we can tell their stories. So they can live on in, in different ways and different people that may never have met him. But, you know, one of the, the, the privileges of my board tenure is I got to work with um, Randy Ford, who was at Leggett and Platt for so long, and Karen and a group of people to revamp the, the selection process to make it really um, inclusive and objective. And in that selection process, we honor enduring excellence, philanthropy, innovation, and I always have to superior accomplishments. And so as a part of the selection committee, you read the biographies of amazing people. We have call for nominations where our members can nominate folks through the nomination process. We read those. Then we boil them down in an in in all-star cast of selection committee folks, make a decision well, in, in the process of that, you learn so much about what the amazing work that goes on behind the scene in our industry. And Rob's biography is certainly at the top of that list, as are the other ones as well. But, um, but I wish I could have a little GoPro on my head in the selection committee um, so that I'm not on it any longer. It's chaired by Amini Audi. But um, but if you could watch the diligence and the care with which these folks read, research, lead, talk, it's, it's a really, really remarkable, um, the integrity of the process is amazing. And you can see it through the slate. Who comes out are the best and the best. And so, um, so that's job one is having a great induction celebration for those remarkable people. Um, job two is, um, we're obviously building a home for the Hall of Fame and raising the money to, to complete our vision um, is job two this year. Um, and we're well on our way. We're really excited about that. But, you know, the Hall of Fame, most people think about, they think about the dinner because that's what you can see physically, right? right? Or you might think of the Wall of Fame that's near Lazy Boy in the Furniture Plaza building. Or you might think of the bricks on the Walk of Fame. You know, those people relate to what they can see physically. But what they don't know is the behind the scenes work that we're doing. We have, we have an amazing project for oral histories where we have books, we publish books. And I think, Karen will kill me, but I think we have maybe 29 done. And where we're telling the written biographies of these people. But there's, we, have a, we have a historian who curates memorabilia and we, we have so much um, that tells our story. We want a home for the Hall of Fame so people can physically walk through our story like they can see us in the banquet so that we can hold up the ideals of the best leaders in our country so that we can create community. It's going to be in a great space where you can have events and you can, there's a great boardroom. You can, it's, it's going to be a beautiful catering kitchen there's all sorts of things you can do that will create community in this building. And we want to inspire future leaders. That's really the key to this thing, is taking the amazing stories of people that have enduring excellence and then, and then 
have someone come in and say, I want to be that person. You know, we've all had those people in our career that you thought, if they can do it, I can do it. How do I do it? We want this physical space to do that. Um, I was, um, it's so funny how my career has gone, but I am the daughter of an architect and a research scientist. The architect's the man, the scientist is the woman, and um, my mom and dad. Um, And I became fascinated with the history of the decorative arts, and I spent four years in college studying it in one of the few art historical um, degrees that you can get around the country. And I spent a lot of time in the Piedmont Triad. I did an internship and lived in Renault House, which was like at the top of, you know, you can't live in Renault House anymore, but we were there right with all that amazing art right outside our door. You couldn't do that today. Um, we studied at MESTA at the SICA, the Southeast Center for Contemporary Art. And, you know, right here in the Piedmont Triad, we have so many things. Old Salem. Um, you know, we have now the BNN Stock Library, which is such a great resource. So. My, one of my passions is if I had been that student and could have come down to the Hall of Fame and read about the biographies of these people that really are bringing it to life, it would have been all she wrote. So we need that. We are the center of the furniture world in the Piedmont Triad. Everyone from all of the world comes and that we don't tell our story in a better way to inspire future leaders. Shame on us. That's why I'm involved with it. So um You'll be seeing, thank you, because your, your publications are so um, uh, helpful in supporting showing our vision. We've created some videos to tell the story. We've got some collaterals. So we're trying to, this year, job two, is to make the, the story of what we're doing with this building visual so people can see it and think of it as this life of our community, not just our dinners. Our dinners are amazing, and they are very important. Um, but we want a year-round place also to continue to grow um, with Future Leaders. Future Leaders is a program where we started by Steve and Karen Pond, where um, we, we put together inductees at a dinner with future leaders under 40. And they get together and beautifully orchestrated through Steve Pond. They ask a series of questions. And I got to be party filler once and got to observe it because you have to be an inductee or you have to be a future leader. But, um, but it's so stunning to watch how amazed the, the wizened inductees are at listening to the young guys talk and how the young people are like, so kind of like, wow, I can get to talk to Ron Lonnie, you know, or <laughs> I can get to talk to Bob Marisit or, you know, there or Todd or, you know, it's just going to be amazing. I think. I would have loved that if I, when I was young. When I was well, it, it's kind of like getting to talk to your heroes, right? Like people that, yeah. you, that you see, that you look and you go, someday I want to be like that. And then you get to talk to them in the flesh, right? And, and find out, first off, that they're just real, regular people. They, they, you know, they're very smart. They've accomplished a lot. But when you talk to them, they are real people who have lived real lives and who have struggled. And I think that's a really cool thing uh-huh. is when yeah. you hear, because we, we tend to see them at the pinnacles of their career, when they're being acknowledged in an almost superhero like way, right? When we induct someone right. into the hall of the fame, hall of fame, we're celebrating this amazing career. And I think it sometimes gets lost that a career is made up of peaks and valleys. 
that each of those people in the Hall of Fame have had to overcome challenges, have had times where they've experienced failure. I mean, I doubt there, there are very many people in the Hall of Fame who at one time or another have not had to overcome a failure, something that went wrong, mm-hmm. they had to fix mm-hmm. and that they had to change. And I think that's an important lesson for young people, because when you're coming up in your career, when you hit that valley, I think it's easy to feel like, oh, my God, is, this is the end. Everything is ruined for me. I, how do I ever recover? But that's where the learning takes place. And I think that's the wonderful thing about talking to people like yourself or Ron Wanak or Bob Marisich or or so many of the Hall of Fame people that you say, wow, look where they got to despite that valley that they were in. You know, I think that's real encouraging, so important. And that's where then, so by having this big, this building that lives, you can access it and engage in it in a way that's right for you. You know, so we're going to use tech. So first of all, the building is 311 South Hamilton. We have an amazing architectural firm that is renovating it for us to bring it so it's going to be fresh and modern and tell our story just right. And we have hired an amazing exhibit, a world-class exhibit firm called Roto. And they do amazing museums all over the all over the country, and I think maybe the world. But um, I mean, when we were just there, they were doing a, a museum for um, Vietnamese war. And you could, you could see all these interactive war things. And the time before, they were doing a transportation museum in Cincinnati, and it was a whole different thing. So they are building interactive and technology-related, you know, accessed um, exhibits for us throughout this whole building that will make this um, make this building live. You know, the idea is not only to be sustainable in, but to grow with the industry. We're going to focus on telling the story of people, product, and processes in our industry and in our industry. So we're going to need a lot of your research team's help in really telling the industry story, the size of the industry, the type of industry in, in that exhibit. But you'll be able to walk through and understand those facets of our industry in a way that's never been shown. What's also important is we have these wonderful uh, video displays that go out to the street. So we'll be, we'll be inspiring people with the images of our inductees in our industry as you just drive by South Hamilton. Now, all of our, the showrooms are so closed. We're opening up to the world by the way we're doing our displays. On the reverse of that wall, there's another big video wall and in a great celebration hall that can then have events for 400. And it also has an amphitheater stair. So you could rent it out as a company to host a company event. You know, there's so many ways it's going to be so useful to our town and to our industry. There's a boardroom that seats 50, this amazing, beautiful boardroom that seats 50. There's no place in High Point right now where we can have a board meeting for 50. And um, so, and then there's the the room that features all the inductees um, and tells their story. And you can tell it digitally and visually. There's a space where Anybody that walks in off the street can tell their story about their part to play in the industry and catch it. 
there'll be archives, there'll be research materials for scholars that want to know. And there are people like me who studied the decorative arts. You know, every time I'm in Paris, which is twice a year, I go straight to the Museum of Decorative Arts and I walk it from top to bottom or bottom top to bottom. We don't have any place like that here, you know, and we should. I know I do go on. I'm sorry, Bill. I'm just going and Don't going. Be. But, um, but is wonderful. again, I wish I could have a GoPro. And I think my job this year with this building is to help, help get the message out of what it is. Take these, in, these invisible ideas and make them tangible so people get excited about being a part of it. Because you're going to want to be a part of it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be meaningful. It is going to leave a legacy for all of us. And, and it's going to attract new people in the industry. And to me, I think, you know, in my own business planning, I've been talking to pundits that we all know, and including in your, in your, your sphere, um, about what's going on this year and next year as I'm trying to figure out how to plan my materials and my labor to get through sure. in a way. And more than one have said it's going to be a we're getting into the golden age of home furnishings right now because the millennials are finally moving out finally and buying houses in the suburbs that they have to furnish so on the on the on the wave of all this kind of this demand that we have right now because people aren't traveling or eating out or not dressing from here down so you don't have to buy clothes and so when that starts to when that starts to even out, which it will, and as you know, maybe in the next year or two, however, that's going to smooth out. What's going to come in its wake that's going to keep filling the demand um, pipeline is the millennial, the change in their buying habits for furniture. And so, so, so the pundits say. And so, right now is a time to 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 do things that bring cool people into our industry. So, because at some point we might have to retire, no time soon. Somebody's got to, there's going to be a lot of cool positions available, but like I know in my career, you got to start and you got to take risks. You've got to learn business. You've got to learn operations. You've got to, you know, do these things so that you can be ready to leave. We need to be bringing these young folks in and this is a way to do it. Well, that was something, wasn't it? This is Trisha again for Klausner Home Furnishings. From my very first collection, I knew I'd come to the right place, that Klausner understood what I wanted to do with my furniture, how I wanted to share my recipe for comfortable living with the world. Now let's get back to Bill McLaughlin and see what he and his guests have to share with us. Let me talk a little bit about um, the elephant in the room that we've all been confronting for the last year, COVID-19. Yeah. How is that, as, as you start to plan, I mean, initially you were planning for April, which is an even closer timeline, right? You have to worry right. about those things. But even now in June, we don't know what the environment is going to be like. We don't know what um, the penetration of the vaccine is going to be, what people's comfort level. So as, as you're planning with, with Karen and the rest of the board for the event in June, What's the thought process? How are you trying to remain flexible or adapt and deal with the potential of um, the implications of COVID-19 for the event? It's a great question. And I will say, you know, one of the also the privileges of working at the Hall of Fame is to work with Karen and her team. They make it so easy for us. They work. They are so good, so smart, so able. 
and the board is remarkable. We have a very engaged board, which is also makes all of this um, fun and pleasurable hard work. Um, and like last year, you know, we, and this is how we also did it at Norwalk. We said, okay, here are the circumstances as we know now. Here's what we're, we're going to do the best thing we know how to do with what we know. And if we get new information, we're going to do the next best thing. And we are anticipating that we're all going to be feeling good, that we will all, many of us will have had vaccines. In Atlanta, I'm, I think I might be able to qualify for a vaccine next Wednesday. There's a program. So, so I'm hoping I'm in Ohio, but I'll go home to Atlanta to get it. But um, so, so we'll see, you know, but we have to, to, to execute a 1,350 or more seat dinner. Mm-hmm. You celebrate for these wonderful leaders in our industry. We have to plan full out. We've been planning for maybe, you know, eight months for this dinner already. So we're going full bore. If we have to choose a different way, we will choose a different way. We will have a great celebration. We'll have it when everybody wants to do it. We are planning for it to be in June. But like this is how we did it at Norwalk. You know, we're, we're going to go to market. Oh, there's not a market. Well, now what are we going to do with that? And then we had a plan for that. Same thing with the Hall of Fame. And so that when we do have our dinner, which we are anticipating will be in June, it's going to be fantastic. If it can't be fantastic, we'll move it to the next time we can do it. But that is not our plan right now. Well, it's always easier to plan for 1,300 and have a smaller number than to plan for 200 and have a larger number. Yes, it is indeed. And, and we are going to make the, this slate, it, as all slates of inductees, but now, I'm, you know, it, they are remarkable and they deserve nothing but the best in honor for my industry. So we're going to make sure that happens, you know. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about some of the other initiatives going on at the Hall of Fame. Um, how about the, the capital campaign? How is that going? Oh. I, yeah, I, I, wish, I wish Karen were like had a little thing in my ear so I know whether I could tell it or not. You know, I don't know whether this spoiler, but we just, but I'm going to say it. I'm not going to say who because I'm not sure I'm allowed to, but we just got at Christmas a, a nice $500,000 donation. As that was a nice Merry Christmas present. To well, the thank home. you to whoever that. Un- yes, un- and, and that will come out, but I'm just not sure I'm at liberty right now to say that. Um, and so, you know, we, we, as you know, we have bought a building and we have raised millions of dollars in pledges already. We have millions of dollars to go. And we have a, an amazing um, campaign cabinet and the work that Karen is doing and some of our inductees who are who understand the plan. When you understand the plan, it is easy to talk about it and how little the money really is for the future of a $157 billion industry. And what I think we have to do is is help people visualize and see what it is and what it means to them. It's like any kind of job. You know, I understand what you're doing and what does this mean to me? People understand those two things. It's participating from a giving standpoint is not hard. We just... COVID gave us the chance to really think about that a little differently. Honestly, we didn't stop. And the hall, you know, because of Karen's hard work, we had a in the black year as a nonprofit. And that was really remarkable. So, and that just shows how people do believe in it. The people that understand what we're doing, believe it. And um, so, so we're, you know, we are, um, have our 
I have our targeted conversations and we are, you know, en route, I guess, with the capital campaign. So, um, it's important for people to realize that because you have the building, that's not the end of the process. Oh, it's just right? the beginning. Exactly. exactly. And, I, and I think sometimes because there's now a physical manifestation, it's like, oh, good, they got the building. Now we can stop donating. Well, no, um, because there's lights to pay for and all of the other things. Right now, it's that's the beginning of a process, not the end of a process. That's right. And to have something that is, you know, it a building is walls and lights. We want it to be interactive and to have the displays, to have the proper facility to bring the community there. That's what we're raising the money for, to create a space that works for the community every day, to have the displays that work to attract these future leaders or to honor the ones, the inductees, and, uh, you know, and to hold up uh, like a beacon of light, what it's like to be the people that make a home what a home is. I mean, what is more important to Americans than their home? And especially what that's what COVID's taught us is it's our families and our home. And, and why is our demand up now? Because now people are realizing being home and loving your home is more important than ever to your sense of well-being, your sense of prosperity, your sense of hope. So this place is a beacon of that. It's a home for the industry that creates home. And 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 now between Karen, our board, the um, the building committee, the exhibit spaces, it's the artist now creating creating that so it works. And I feel really, and you'll start to see the plans come out. So you will see how it's been designed. And I think people will be very enthusiastic about it. And, and, and people will see their, they can see themselves as a part of it for the future. I want to go back to the future leaders program. Yeah. Um, because I think as young people start to see that it would be helpful for them to understand. I'm, I'm sure some young people look at that program and go, that's cool. How do I get in that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So if someone sees the program and they, and they think, they think I would love to be a part of that. What's the process? What does that look like? Well, I, I think they can certainly contact Karen and her team at the hall of fame, but what internally the process is, is we start with the member companies and the board companies and the inductees companies and ask them to nominate a, a future leader. Mm-hmm. And then there's a selection process of who, and I, I think mm, I'm going to say we have six to eight, sorry, Karen, maybe 10 um, every, every year. And I know our CFO, Troy Pittenger was one, and he says it changed his view of the industry. You know, he, he's amazing. And, um, but he knew our industry from Norwalk, Ohio to go to the Future Leaders Center, to meet with some of these people he's read about in your publications. You know, people read about them because you tell their stories too. And, they're, and then they're there and they can ask them a question. It's really remarkable. So really becoming a member gives you access to vote, you know, nominate inductees and nominate future leaders. So that's why I encourage people to become a member. And um, that's the best way, you know, and then um, I'll never forget years ago, the DuPont company had something 
something, it, it wasn't called Future Leaders, but they, it's like under 40 people. And I got to be one of those people. And it was like the first public thing that happened to me. And I was like, wow, this is, this is how you meet other cool people. And it really did stimulate. And I'll have to tell you, Karen McNeil Pond got me involved in that all those years ago. But um, it stimulated my thought about networking in the industry. And I haven't stopped doing that since. And it's been such the, you know, I encourage people to network. And a great way to network is to become a member help us build this building and you'll be able to have cocktail parties. You'll meet for a drink there. You can have your own company events there. It's the, our industry is an industry of relationships, isn't it? You know, if you need something, I know I can call you and say, what about this? How do I research that? You know, these relationships are the warp and the weft of the success and the strength of our industry. Um, So the future leaders is super cool. Send us your, send us your, send us your names. We'd love to. Well, it sounds like the first step too is raising your hand within your own company, right? It's yes, exactly. You know, making it's, yourself known to the people who are there. If your if your company is a member, start your networking internally. Raise your hand. Say, I want to be that, and uh, that that sounds like a good first step too. Yeah, and you know, for for the future leaders, I just know now that it just showing up asking questions and laughing a little. It sounds so simple. I mean, it, it, it is so simple, really. If you show up, you're going to learn something. If you ask questions or are curious, you're going to learn more. And if you ha- do it with some humor and enjoy it, you will find that all of a sudden you're having more responsibility than you ever would dream you would have. It's really true. I have heard you say that in a number of our conversations as it relates to another. I think I'm going to put that on a plaque and hang it up. Start by showing up. I think that would make a great, you know, hang it up over your desk. Start by showing up. You know, and, and we started talking about the role of women. And it is one reason I show up. And you and I have talked about that also. I show up when asked because I think it's important. You know, and and I think that's important whether you're a man or a woman, really. But we need women to show up, too, to be counted and to take risks. It's about, you know, it's not going to be easy to raise this money. I know we can do it. I'm very confident. But we've got to work at it. But we have a great team to do it. And guess what I get out of it? Working with a superior team. That, for me, is the reward of doing it. And when you surround yourself with amazing people inside your company and outside your company, and then you set up a goal that's bigger than yourself, that's how you grow. That's how you um, make a difference in the world. And isn't that what we want to do? You know, make a good difference. I think that's an important message as we try to attract young people to the industry. One of the things that you hear about millennials and Gen Z as they look at their career They want to do something bigger and beyond themselves. And so these kinds of things where it's not just about going to work and doing the work and making the money, because a lot of them are not motivated anymore just by money. They're motivated by being a part of something larger than themselves. And these kinds of things, I think, are a great way to attract young people to the industry, to give them a sense of being part of a larger entity, a larger community, a larger effort, right? Something that has value. What's my contribution? How do I make a difference? And this is a great way to do that. 
right? Mm-hmm. To be part of something bigger than yourself. But, but, and, 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 and anytime you need a cure for the blues or you need a cure for a crisis, I mean, it's like with Norwalk and we pivoted to make PPE. That was a cure for the blues from within as well as to help without. We, we are makers. We wanted to make stuff that we got a chance to make, help our hospitals and healthcare centers in our area when they needed it desperately. That was more of a gift to us than it was to them because we were doing something bigger than ourselves. And so that's what, when I have friends or even myself or in a challenging situation, I say, okay, sit down and think of what can you do that's bigger than yourself, that not, it's not you, you know, help something, do something different. And, you know, and perhaps that's what we're trying to do at the Hall of Fame. We're trying to raise up our industry. We love our industry. We have all the people that are involved have benefited financially, emotionally, every way from being a part of this industry. So we're trying to do something that leaves, that makes it better or, or, or shows what's so good about it, not make it better, shows what's so good about it in a concrete way and then inspires others to come. And um, yeah. It's going to be cool. You're going to want to be a part of it. Y'all are. But, you know, you know, really, that's what I would also say. It, you should be involved because it's going to be cool. You're going to want to want to wish you're going to wish you had been had a chance to influence it. Also, we are open to ideas. We want people's influence. Just show up. Give us some suggestions. We'll take them. You know, we like some money, too. But, um, you know, to help build the building. But, um, you know, this, I, I am also, you know, we've talked a lot about, I'm a big fan of inclusivity in management and, and creating environments where people feel included and participative. And this Hall of Fame is like that. This board is like that. People's ideas are shared, you know, and it is, a, it is an inclusive place. And I think inclusivity is where diversity starts. People talk a lot about diversity, people of color, women religion, but you have to have inclusive environments to attract a diverse workforce. Yes. It doesn't start with, oh, give give me a girl, which has been said to me many times by different people. If I just get more girls, will it be better? I'm like, no, you know, it's create the environment in which they want to come, you know, create an inclusive environment, a participative management structure, good communication. That's what people want. And so if we want more diversity and we need to have it because we serve a diverse population, we have to create inclusive, participative environments. And, um, and my point about that is we want everybody's ideas that how to create this Hall of Fame. We're using the ideas of the people that are involved. Get involved. Share. We, we'd love to have them. There you but, go. Carolyn, thanks for taking the time today. You've shared so much information. Um, and I hope this inspires people to get involved with the Hall of Fame, to become members, donate, to participate, because after all, this is the industry's Hall of Fame. That's right. Thank you so much, Bill. I look forward to our next chat. Absolutely. I'm Bill McLaughlin. Stay safe. Yes. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go right ahead. We, Stay safe and well. And thank you for all you do to support the Hall of Fame. We are so appreciative of that. It's our honor to be to be uh, able to support the Hall of Fame. It's a great endeavor. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening.